Now, you're with Julian E. Brown-Tano, the internet's laziest music nerd. Now, it's awards season. Every single year, I run through my albums of the year on one show, films of the year on another, and tracks of the year as the final show just before Christmas. Last year, it was dominated by the end of decade lists, which was six weeks. But this year, it's um, I, in the lead up to this, I said it's a year of a lot across the board on tracks, songs, and uh, albums and movies. Lots of eight out of tens, not many nines. So it's been a, a much more low key year than usual. But on the flip side, it's also a little bit less hectic as. I normally try and squeeze too much to fit into a two-hour radio show. And it's all pretty easy going this time. Another reason it's easy going is um, quite a lot of the acts on here, even ones that aren't historically associated with it, um, are pretty much pop tracks, particularly towards the end, uh, which also means a lot of them are a, a sub-four minutes, which is handy for me. So without further ado, um, I'll just run through on this show my top 25 albums of 2020, and next week it will be my best and worst films of the year, and the final show, uh, if you do end up, if I do end up putting this on YouTube, the final show, the tracks will not be on there because it's just pointless. I do a bit of talking this week, and a lot more with the movies, but the tracks, are just it's just going to be an all-music show, so it won't be any point. So my 25th album of 2020 from maryland in america someone i fell in love with with 2013's dream river album one of my favorites of the decade and he felt it is kind of guy that seems to percolate albums for years and came back with the uh, wonderful double album last year shepherd in a sheepskin vest now he's followed it up straight away with a, another beautiful record called gold record which i featured around or oh, i think august time so from that, my 25th album of the year from Bill Callahan, who used to record as Smog, and has about 20 albums to his discography, uh, and has settled further and further into his career like furniture. This is another song. That was Bill Callahan kicking off the Brown Note Top 25 albums of 2020. Should be a breeze. And... Um, I wouldn't say it was my favourite of those three that I mentioned, but I still think it is another beautiful record. And just spend... He's one of these people, like certain actors, it's um, nice to spend time with him, just listening to his albums, whether they're brilliant or whether they're just very good. Just having him in the room somehow comforting in these troubling times. At number 24, the most fun debut album of the year. Um, possibly a joke outfit... Uh, I mentioned when I when I was playing it to death back in September time that some people are saying, is it a, a joke <laughs> at people's expense? And I said, does it matter? Because it is just ridiculously good fun and the tunes are amazing. It was a little bit sugar heavy to uh, ingest over a long period of time on multiple occasions. It's the kind of album you go back into. But it's terrific fun from Bradford's Bad Boy Chiller Crew who embody the discombobulated dance scene in the north of England, which has always been kind of segregated from London or Liverpool or Manchester, where all the sort of major things happen. They've got their own thing going on. And every now and again, it sort of crosses over to the mainstream. They're incredibly good fun. They've got their own uh, YouTube pranky sort of channel thing, which has gone ballistic. 
Uh, and the, the tunes themselves are absolute riots. So it may contain swearing, but the debut album from Bradford's Bad Boy Chiller Crew, Full Wait No Breaks, was my 24th best album of the year. And this track may contain swearing, Guns Up. Uh, this is so much fun. I know it's pitchful. Uh, the esteemed media publication released their top 100 songs of the year and WAP by Cardi P was number one. It's pretty tragic that they've chosen the song from its um, cultural mainstream media impact rather than being any good at all. Uh, I'm not holding out any hope for their albums either because it's just going to be Fiona Apple and they decided that the second they gave it 10 out of 10. You're with Julie, you know, counting down my... Top 25 albums. That was the debut from Bad Boy Chiller Crew. Full Whack No Breaks, so much fun. And that was Guns Up. And at 23, a Brighton uh, four-piece, notably fronted by Dana Margolin. Uh, other members, George E. Stott, uh, Maddie Ryle and Sam Yardley. Arguably the best indie rock in the traditional sense debut of the year from Porridge Radio from Brighton in the UK. Oh, as an aside, there will be some movie reviews, but not on this show. So I'm afraid those ones will only make the podcast, the Brown Note Movie Review, and probably the Brown Note YouTube channel. But that will be Mank, uh, the David Fincher film, which I gave a really good review to, and also Aliens, a retro review there, and a 10 out of 10. Uh, this is from a brilliant debut from Porridge Radio, uh, and one of the best indie rock albums in a relatively flat year for indie rock. This is Lilac, which uh, has a slow burn tail that really does fit this year. I want us to be kinder, kinder to ourselves and to each other. That's my 23rd album of the year. The debut by Porridge Radio, Every Bad, and that track, Lilac. Serves as a de facto centrepiece, I think, to the album. Sticking with UK debuts, uh, UK rap has gone through the roof in recent years. Uh, road rap arguably put it back on the map as a serious entity after Grime sort of went a bit pop. Then Grime came back with the likes of Skepta and Stormzy. And in particular, UK Drill has really taken off and uh, actually uh, been very influential on American rap. And Grime itself has gone global. So this is a bit more in the road rap arena. It's uh, Momodu Laminjalo from Stratford in London, which is just up the road from where I'm from, East Ham. And Jay Huss is a recording name. And his second album, Big Conspiracy, was an early favourite this year from January. And uh, like everyone in his field, he seems to get an enormous amount of unwanted attention from the police. This track probably will contain swearing. And at 22, J Hus, Big Conspiracy and Fortune Teller. You the one that I want, yeah, me now, you know. She know I want her, she a fortune teller. Yo, with Julian on the Brown Note, counting down my top 25 albums of 2020. Next week will be my best and worst films, which will have a massive amount of worst films. And then finally, tracks of the year. Um, it's not been an amazing year for, for indie music, indie guitar music. I've gone on at length on this show how it has been reborn these last five years. But then it's not been a really great year for any genre of music, I don't think. 
lots of eights, not many nines. Um, one of the bands that I focused on the most in recent last five years has been Joe, Casey, Greg, Ahi, Alex Leonard and Scott Davidson from Detroit, Michigan and Proto Marta. I missed their first couple of albums, but um, their third, The Agent Intellect in 2015 and Relatives in Descent uh, 2017, I featured on this show. And I did so with their fifth ultimate success today, I think underrated, and this from it, The Aphorist at 21. That's Proto Marta and their fifth album, Ultimate Success Today, a tad underrated, and the track The Aphorist at number 20. So we move 21. Uh, so we're moving into the top 20. I'll do a rundown when we get to number 11. Nicholas Jar has long been established one of the preeminent musical forces in electronica across a wide range. Um, his solo name albums under the name Nicholas Jar have been immaculately sculpted and were released many years apart, but he seems to have found a much more appealing paradigm on releasing music now. Uh, last year he put out Against All Logic, which was dance floor-based cuts and a collection of those, and that was brilliant, up to 2017. This year he released the 2017 to 2019 Against All Logic album, and it worked much better as an album. And he's also released two solo albums this year, and he's reignited the wonderful Pink Floyd influenced Dark Side project. So that's going to be releasing new music as well. And I saw those live. I saw Nicholas Jar live. That was mind blowing. Uh, so, Against All Logic trumps the two solo albums for me. I thought it worked really, really well front to back as an album. At number 20, If Loving You Is Wrong. <laughs> Uh, it's Nicholas Jar at number 20. I'm counting down my top 25 albums of 2020. And against all logic, uh, 2017 to 2019, three albums from Nicholas Jar this year, all of them excellent. I featured two. At number 19, Juliana Barwick, from, who grew up in Louisiana, and she has a very ambient choral take on Americana. I featured all of her albums, The Magic Place from 2011, uh, Nepenthe at 2013, Will in 2016, and Healing is a Miracle, which came out this year, I thought was the, probably the best of the lot and certainly the most interesting as she bent her styles more into other forms of music and had uh, feature artists more than on other records, including John C. from Sigaross. And this track at number 19 from Healing is a Miracle, Nod featuring No Such Thing. Deanna Barwick, Healing is a Miracle at 19, featuring no such thing on that track, Nod. Now, Timothy El Pardo, Padro, Padero, Thedford, now known as El Padero F Electronica Alla, uh, also known as J Electronica. He arrived in 2007 and was immediately heralded, heralded as the next big thing in rap. 
and since then he became something of a laughing stock, the occasional brilliant track and a long promised debut album that never materialised. Well, out of nowhere, it did indeed materialise this year. A written testimony came out and it was brilliant. And not only that, but he recently followed it out with Act 2, uh, The Patents of Nobility, which was a collection of other stuff. So he's now got two albums out in the space of a year. But it was a really great album. And at number 18, a written testimony. It will contain swearing, I believe, featuring the dream. This is Ezekiel's Wheel. When that sun go down, we go see. Talk that fresh shit now. We go see. That's the lyrical, transcendental rap, most at odds with uh, the current mumble rap or uh, the little Uzi Vert world. Jay Electronica finally releasing a debut album and it lived up to over a decade of people waiting and just getting the odd scrap thrown out. That was Ezekiel's Wheel and obviously Jay-Z's all over that album. That was a written testimony at 18. You're with Julian counting down my top 25 of the year album-wise. And I've spoken at long length about my love for Chicago, Illinois, and now, well, originally Missouri, but now in Chicago, Illinois, Angel Olsen, and I featured her last few albums. Last year, she released the Maximalist All Mirrors album, this year, she released A Whole New Mess, which was some new tracks, but also minimalist reworkings. Well, not reworkings, because these were the original versions of the songs that she ditched to make a much more maximalist pop album. Uh, and I actually liked it more. And this is We Are All Mirrors, which was the title track of that album last year, uh, done in a far, far more minimalist style, and I actually do prefer it. At number 17... And number 16, well, if I was to go on uh, music I'd listen to the most this year, both mixtapes by Pop Smoke, aka Bashar, Baraka Jackson, would probably be very near the top of the list, but one came out in June last year. I got them both at the same time on release of Pop uh, Meet the Woo 2, which came out, I think, at the very start of February, and by the time I actually got to playing them on the show a few days later, He'd been shot and killed in a home invasion. And uh, he'd already cast a huge shadow over American rap music and was the next de facto big thing. And also a pioneer of using UK drill as opposed to Chicago drill as a style using UK drill producers to get a very, very gritty style, which I absolutely adored. Later in the year, about halfway through, they released his debut album, Shoot for the Stars, and it was rubbish. It was just a mishmash of styles, uh, endless. Unlike his very focused, very stylistically coherent two mixtapes. So I've got Meet the Woo 2 in my albums of the year at 16, and Shake the Room featuring Quavo will contain swearing. As Post Smoke Meet the Woo, far superior to his proper studio album, Posthumously released, are the two Meet the Woo mixtapes, which are magnificent. That was Things Like This, sorry, Shake the Room featuring Quavo, Things Like This is next. Uh, Peter Kemba in the 1980s formed 
The Magical Spaceman 3, still highly lauded as one of the best bands of their sort of drone psych music ever. And uh, they split up in acrimony with um, Jason Pierce. I can't believe I never rec- It's like one of my favourite bands of all time. I think Jason Pierce. Who was in Spaceman 3? Jason Pierce. I was right. That's because I had a school friend called Jason Pierce. I kept thinking, it's not the real name. Uh, Jason Pierce went on to huge uh, claim and attention to this day for Spiritualized. And uh, Peter Kember, as Sonic Boom, only released one album in 1990 called, uh, Spectru- called Spectrum. And I think he recorded as Spectrum for many years. But in recent years, he's come back a lot. Uh, and he's worked with some really interesting people on Panda Bear's album, Tomboy. And, uh, sorry, Tomboy and Panda Bear meets the Grim Reaper. And the Beach House album, Seven. And I noticed when I featured that, his influence on that album was special. He came back with a second solo studio album of Sonic Boom this year, All Things Being Equal, which bizarrely came out in two formats. One was about 70 minutes long and one was about an hour and 40 minutes long. Uh, I got the latter one. I featured it on the show and I love it and I don't understand why it's not got more attention. If you like long-form psychedelia, it is absolutely top tier. From that, things like this, one of the most straightforward tracks on it. Oh, it's called All Things Being Equal, if I didn't mention. Into the top 15 of my albums of 2020. It's an album that flits between tracks like that, long form sort of psychedelic pop and 10 minute long um, very often challenging and weird, almost soundtrack work. You could have, so I mentioned when the album came out that it could have featured in those Nicolas Cage sci-fi films like The Color Out of Space or Mandy. That's Sonic Boom, uh, one of the most underappreciated albums of the year, all things being equal at number 15 and things a little bit deeper. I think Peter Kember might live in Sydney, you know. I think on his story, I think he records under a different name electronically and I met it, met him with a mate not knowing who he was and we started talking about music and I started talking about this artist, I can't remember the name of it, and saying how good I thought they were and my mate was, that's him, that's Peter Kember. Uh, that was 15 and 14, um, I mentioned UK Raps Resurgence and UK Drill, uh, the reigning king of UK Drill is probably Heady One. Irving Ajay, I think he's from Tottenham. Yep, from Tottenham. Um, from a legendary housing project in Tottenham, which has actually become a model for Europe, one of the safest housing projects in Europe now. Uh, and it was uh, in the Thatcher years, it was um, one of the, was it Toxteth? It was one of the main flashpoints for race riots and uh, working class people revolting. Um, he's had a fair amount of trouble with the police, a lot. Uh, uh, as most UK drill artists have done in the UK they even took to the point where the UK police were asking YouTube to take down the videos never seen so much interference with art before <coughs> excuse me uh, he's, he's released seven mixtapes uh, and the last few have been very very big but he released Edna a brilliant debut proper solo album um, that came out earlier this year and I featured on the show and I've played tracks throughout the year from it since not that long ago, maybe only September so from Heady One's debut Edna will contain swearing and a wonderful sample and Stormzy appears on this track too 
This is Ain't It Different. Nearly made it into my tracks of the year. It may still do. Heady One's debut proper, Edna, named after his deceased mother. Eighteen It Different featuring AJ Tracy and Stormzy at number 14. At number 13, the biggest slow burn of the year was the latest Tame Impala album, The Slow Rush, which I didn't care for on release very much. But every time I've gone back to it over the year, it sounds richer and more detailed. It's just... um. I guess after Currents was such a maximalist slam in the face, it was a much more subdued and low-key release that sort of crept up on me. Uh, a fantastic album. And at number 13, and this track from it, The Slow... Oh, Borderline. Well, I was dismissive of it at first, but... Tame Impala's The Slow Rush is a fantastic long-form album. And that was Borderline from it. You're with Julian on time. One hour into a two-hour show, and I've played half the amount of tracks. I'm doing my top 25 albums of the year. Next week will be my best films and the worst films. Uh, probably 10 of each this year, as there's probably as many interesting bad films to slate as there are good films to praise. I just saw Mank. I absolutely loved it, but it will depend on whether you like it on paper, whether you think it's the most pretentious twaddle ever, but I actually really liked it. Um, at number 12, uh, it's a very long established story how LP and Killer Mike, I actually featured both their albums as solo artists back to back as they came out a week apart. Uh, I think uh, Killer Mike's uh, R.A.P. music, which featured Reagan, which is one of my tracks of the decade, and uh, that was produced by LP a week later. LP's, I think, Cancer for the Cure, or is that the Eels song? Something like that uh, came out, and they were both great. And over the course of the next year, they decided that they liked working together. So uh, the two old heads steeped in uh, hip-hop history formed Run the Jewels and RTJ4, uh, the ridiculously consistent project, came out this year, uh, their fourth great album in a row, and well-established as one of the premier forces in rap music. RTJ4 at 12, and Ooh La La, and this is very old school, very boom bap, featuring two old school legends, Greg Nice and DJ Premier, no less, of Gangstar, uh, will contain swearing. I think every couple of years we just expect another great RTJ album. Run the Jewels, Killer Mike and LP, back with RTJ4. Uh, and I, I think RTJ3 was a little bit more geared towards big tunes, whereas this one was, I thought, was a bit better flowing as an album with not really the massive tunes on it. I preferred it more. At uh, number 12, at number 11... <laughs> Canada's Claire Boucher has gone through a strange phase. I thought Miss Anthropocene, uh, she records under the name of Grimes, uh, was one of her best efforts. I thought the individual songs were really strong. The songwriting on it was excellent, the pop hooks and everything. And I really loved the 90s uh, retro 
alt-rock vibe that appeared on a lot of tracks, I think this one in particular. Um, and um, you could have done with a little bit of trimming here and there, but and they left off the best track, which was uh, We Appreciate Power, which came out as a single before, which would have really set things off and really solidified that 90s alt-rock vibe that seems to be everywhere now. Um, but along the way, she married Elon Musk, the world's second richest man who is known for pronouncements which are not exactly cool. Uh, and it's put her in a weird place. I don't think she's sort of, it's almost harmed her brand being associated with him. I can see it coming a cropper as well because she's very right on. He isn't, and he's sort of a blunderbuss when it comes out with statements about things. So. I won't be surprised if that union doesn't last. And she had a kid as well uh, this year. But I thought Miss Anthropocene was an excellent album uh, and full of tracks this good. You'll miss me when I'm not around. At number 11. You're with Julian on the brown note. Counting down my top 25 albums of the year. Countdown time at 25, Bill Callahan Gold Record. 24, the debut by Bradford's bad boy Chiller Crew. Four Whack No Breaks. Another UK debut, Every Bad by Porridge Radio at 23. Jay Huss, Big Conspiracy, his second at 22. Proto Marta, Ultimate Success Today at 21. Nicholas Giles Against All Logic Collection, his second one. 2017 to 2019 at 20. Juliana Barwick, Healing's Miracle at 19. J Electronica's long-awaited and brilliant A Written Testimony debut album at 18. Angel Olsen's All Mirrors Retread, Whole New Mess at 17. Pop Smoke, his last living release, Meet the Woo 2 at 16. Sonic Boom, a.k.a. Peter Kemba at 15 with All Things Being Equal. Uh, Edna, the debut proper from Heady One, another UK rap artist, at 14, Taming Parlour, Slow Burning, The Slow Rush at 13, Run The Jewels, fourth album, RTJ4 at 12, and that was Miss Anthropocene from Grimes at 11. You'll miss me when I'm not around. Now, while the press around the world have jumped on Korean pop music or J-pop being the next big thing, K-pop and J-pop have never really amounted to anything, and most of the coverage now is just relentless BTS coverage. Uh, the whole decade that they've been ploughing this field, the next big thing or the next dominant force in world pop has become Latin pop. It really has taken over. Um, and you look on YouTube at the um, artists with billions and billions of views and they're all Latin pop artists. And uh, at the very top are people like Jay Balvin, Azuna, who I played earlier in the year, uh, probably still Daddy Yankee, and uh, arguably leading the charge is Bad Bunny, Benito Antonio Martinez Ocasio. Ocasio, that's an AOC-style name. Uh, he's only released two studio albums, including this one at number 10, opening my top 10, YHLQMDLG. Um, but in between, he's released lots and lots and lots of other releases. By way of example, two more albums came out this year. Uh, a collection, compilation album, and a third one called El Ultimo Tour del Mundo, which last weekend became the first all-Spanish language album to top the Billboard Top 200 albums. Uh, so this is from that a long list of letters from Bad Boy, Bad Boy Bunny. Well, that's Collision Made in Heaven, Bad Boy Chiller Crew, and Bad Bunny. Uh, this is from Bad Bunny's YHLQMDLG 
album at number 10, Pero You Know. Featuring some of the most gorgeously subtle production out there and probably the most artistic use of auto-tune. Bad Bunny kicks off my top 10 albums of 2020 with YHLQM, DLG and Perriano. At number nine, an artist that is probably my favorite rapper, being an old head, um, Freddie Gibbs from Indiana, from Gary, Indiana, and particularly what he's been known for, his, his album-length collaborations with producers. He recorded two of the best albums the last decade with Mad Lib, uh, Piñata and Bandana and he's also recorded a couple of albums now with The Alchemist another very fated old head producer and Alfredo was one of the year's highlights in rap it's my top ranked rap album of the year called Alfredo uh, and it really had a heart and soul to it and, and part of that was really interesting which was black Americans particularly in the rap music genre and their fascination with the American-Italian mafia and the fact that the often elements in the American-Italian Mafia are incredibly race, <coughs> racist towards African-American men. Uh, and this weird sort of dichotomy is a very unusual concept for an album. Uh, and this track features Rick Ross, who was once a laughing stock of rap, but very successful. And now is so well regarded, he's one of the few features to turn up on a Freddie Gibbs or a Pusha T album. He was on Daytona. Uh, and he's on Alfredo as well. And this track uh, may end up in my tracks of the year. I noticed it was in Pitchfork. Scotty Beam will contain swearing. At number nine. Freddie Gibbs, consistently brilliant across about four albums now. Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist. Not one but two great collaborations in his chamber. And I think there's another Mad Lib coming out soon or... At some point, they take a while to put together. That was Alfredo featuring, uh, well, the track Scotty Beam featuring Rick Ross at number nine in my albums of the year. At number eight, one of the most talented musicians in the world is Eve Tumor. Sean Bowie, real name from America, but based in Turin in Italy. And I missed the first, I think, self-released albums when Ma uh, Man Fails You and Serpent Music, which got a lot of acclaim. But I absolutely love Safe in the Hands of Love. From 2018, that was in my albums of the year, and so is this, Heaven to a Tortured Mind. Everything he's done is brilliant, really wide-ranging, uh, very sort of um, wild in his musical choices and his song construction and the arrangements, and really goes out. He rocks a lot, this album, as well. It's a very hard artist to actually put a label on. So from Eve Tumor's latest, Heaven to a Tortured Mind, at number eight, a good example of how wild his music is, Dream Palette. It's, I don't know, it's this trite thing to say, but almost like the black music version of King Cruel. Doesn't sound like anyone else, always sounds like himself, and a little bit hard to really say what genre you'd ever place any of his music in. The consistently brilliant East Tumor at number eight in my albums of 2020 and Heaven to a Tortured Mind at number seven, an album that may well feature in no one else's lists, 
apart from the public's because the public loved it and so did I. Uh, the Strokes are one of the most important bands of the century. Is This It was ground zero along with the White Stripes for the garage rock indie guitar revival uh, which was colossal and Room on Fire was a brilliant album but since then they've really struggle with the weight of expectation and that albatross of a 10 out of 10 album around their neck um the reason i've kept on board is every album they've released even though it's often been pretty average uh usually has a couple of really brilliant songs to add to their discography this time around completely different working with rick rubin uh who's just got everywhere over his career the new abnormal their sixth album I thought didn't actually have so much in the way of the big tracks. It's just that it was consistently their best album since Rumours on Fire or Room on Fire. Uh, and I absolutely loved it to listen to as a front-to-back album. It felt like they were trying not to... Like every album that's come out, it's felt like they've tried so hard stylistically all over the place to make something that ranks alongside Is This It? This is their most relaxed album by far. It doesn't sound like they're trying to do anything, uh, and it really paid off. And lots and lots of really good tunes. At number seven, The Strokes, A New Abnormal, just checking the time, uh, Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus. It's like the Strokes have finally got through their painful and protracted adolescence. I think the last album they made, they were sending the music to each other via email. They weren't even really talking. This time around, it sounds like they're just really having fun. And for the first time in their career, not trying to follow up, is this it? And their best album since Room is on Fire. A wonderful album from the Strokes, a new abnormal at number seven, not getting the critical kudos it deserves. At number six in my albums of 2020, Fleet Fox's fourth album, Shaw. Uh, relentlessly perfect project so far. And a bit like Tame Impala now in that the band leader, Robin Pecknold, pretty much made all of this music himself without any other band member. Uh, and like Tame Impala and Kevin Parker, it seems like the band exists now more as a touring entity. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic album. It was a lot less fractured and abstract than their previous album. Was it Crack Up? Uh, which was a lot sort of where the songs would be multi-part and um, a less easy album to love. This was a, a, a punchier album and full of much more straightforward songs. From that, at number six, from Shaw, A Young Man's Game. Full of tracks that are that easy to love. Fleet Fox's fourth album, Shaw. Uh, it's nearly a solo entity now, and that was Young Man's Game. Definitely in the running for my tracks of the year will be another off of that album. And into the top five in my albums of 2020, and um, another album that won't get picked by anyone else. It never got any critical acclaim when it came out. It got good reviews where they even bothered to review it. Back in 2010, Salem from Michigan, who were then Heather Marlett, Jack Donahue, and John Holland, were a hugely controversial act, but their debut album, King Knight, was one of my best of the decade. And since then, they've just been completely silent, uh, never followed it up, and just randomly appeared in September with a 10-year gap follow-up. Fires in Heaven, a beautifully curated half-hour listen. I thought it did everything that they did brilliantly on that first album, including stuff like shoegaze and trap elements. 
and expanded it into new areas and it was so well curated a flow of the album i don't understand why it's not got more attention at number five fires in heaven and this track old gods is pretty much the best nine inch nails track i've heard in 10 years it could contain swearing i'm not sure because i can't really understand what they're saying Now, with Salem at number five, it finished a bit quick for me there. Uh, and Fires in Heaven, no one loved it, I loved it. My, my fifth best album of the year, and that was Old Gods. And number four, uh, an artist that I'd written off a long time ago, didn't need to listen to anything that he really made since the late 60s. Um, but never lost his kudos, really. I just wasn't that interested in lesser albums by him, unlike Neil Young who continued to provoke and challenge with interesting new music. I never found myself drawn to any of his music. And uh, he seemed to just switch on magically and suddenly become engaged very much with the world and not inside his insular bubble and, and seemed to reach out to the audience more than he'd ever done in recent decades. And in fact, this album was uh, preceded by a number of albums, uh, including covers of Standards and so on. But Rough and Rowdy Ways, the 39th, just the 39th studio album by Bob Dylan, was his best for many years. Uh, a stunning piece of work, spectral, uh, beautiful spectral inf- instrumentation throughout, one of the most gentle, lived in sounds of the year. And the, the lyrics are like a book. Uh, it's densely worded, over 70 minutes long. And he references life, the universe, and everything in a very relatable way. Uh, and it's my fourth best album of the year and the opener I Contain Multitudes is a a sonic representation of that gentle style of instrumentation and also the uh, beautiful lyric flow at number four Bob Dylan Rough and Rowdy Ways I love the way it's just so direct to the listener as well and it's so connected with the world, something that a lot of his more personal albums haven't been before, Uh, a lot of it focusing on love or relationships, but this one is just pointed straight at the world uh, and endless pop culture references and everything that he's gone through in his life and his place in the world and what's happening Uh, and a definite late career highlight from Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Ways, at number four, that was the opening track. I contain multitudes down to the top three, and an artist that has had lived a hundred lives already. The Flaming Lips uh, from the 1980s uh, went through various stages. Tangerine blew up because of um, it wasn't was it Beverly Hills 90210. But they really reached their peak of uh, universal acceptance by becoming arguably the biggest alternative rock band or indie rock band in the world over the course of two majestic albums around the turn of the century, Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots and The Soft Bulletin, both landmark classic masterpieces of incredible psych pop music. And they've never been bad. Um, It's just sort of been they've become a festival touring act and their best music has been their most obtuse since then. But they came back out of nowhere with American Head, uh, a, an astonishingly ambitious uh, concept album that flows from start to finish uh, and has some very deep lyrical themes about existence and drugs and 
his hometown and it's a very personal album all the tracks are brilliant the instrumentation is wild and inventive throughout and it's undoubtedly the best flaming lips album since yoshimi probably 18 years ago a massive album from the flaming lips american head at number three and this track dinosaurs on the mountain really showcases them at their pink floyd indebted anthemic sight pop best Their most sublime release in 20 years nearly, The Flaming Lips, American Head, a very deep personal, lyrical and profound album. And number three in my albums of 2020, you're with Julian on the Brown Note, and I'll do my movies next week, and my tracks of the year are the following last show, or last new show of the year. That was Dinosaurs on the Mountain. And number two, Will Westerman from the UK, Records under the name Westerman, another album that's just not going to get it, not getting any love. It's an amazing debut album. Your hero is not dead. Uh, it's a very interesting style. He's got almost like yacht pop. Um, uh, it's very subdued, very subtle, and he continually drops a shoulder after sort of low key verses into sublime choruses and bridges. Uh, easily exemplified on this track my second favorite album of the year doesn't even have a wikipedia page will westerman known as westerman your hero is not dead at number two in my albums of the year and this track easy money my number two album of the year countdown time you're with julian on the brown note top 25 albums of the year the top 10 were bad bunny yhl q mdlg freddie gibson alchemist and nine with alfredo eve two more heaven to a tortured minor eight the strokes brilliant comeback album the new abnormal at seven always consistent fleet foxes and sure at six the unloved salem fires in heaven return after a 10-year absence at five Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Waves at four, Flaming Lips, American Head at three, and Westerman, that album, Your Hero Is Not Dead, Easy Money at two. At number one, Abel Tesfaye from Canada arrived on the scene with three free mixtapes, uh, House of Balloons, Thursday, and Echoes of Silence. I played them on this show. They completely reinvented R&B or what, the, what R&B music could be uh, about 10 years ago. Um, with very dark neurotic music very art house at times extremely uncommercial but made a massive name for himself a very mysterious artist at that point who we now know as the weekend and since then his pop albums kiss land beauty behind the madness and Starboy, haven't done it for me they've just dipped their toes too far into the pop arena and not been consistent but he came back this year with after hours his fourth studio album proper and it was the first time that he really did get back into that neurotic, 
darkness and even in an album that's full of some of the best pop writing of the year i think this track the uh title track that appears near the end which is a lot darker really is the dark heart of the album and shows where that soul of the album is it's a brilliant brilliant album after hours by the weekend is my number one album of 2020 and this is the long form title track to play us out Adios.